Report recorded live on Jupiter's third largest moon, Callisto. He can shape shift and he thinks like a spaceship. Fast, he's so different than y'all, so far apart. He's your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I keep telling you that, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, my dudes, we got a ton of fun stuff. We're going to talk about toys. We got a toy topic. It is Clash of the Titans by Mattel. That wasn't a big line. It's not going to be a big piece, but it is going to be a piece of some sort. Going to talk about the Oscars. I don't know. All sorts of stuff. And hey, check it out, man. I'm back up on the station, and there's my boy Iceberg. Iceberg, man. What's new, dude? Not really a whole heck of a lot. Just working hard or hardly working, dude. I feel you. But it was cool to be on vacation, man. But it's like, I'm back up here, and my allergies are going crazy. What's with the... Uh... I can see particles floating around in the air. What's the deal, Iceberg? You weren't up here, so I didn't bother to clean the ducts. You didn't clean the ducts, dude? That's whack. My allergies are going crazy. That's our only purpose for being up here. I do not require air, so I did not feel as if it was my problem. It might not be your problem, but it is your job, Iceberg. I look out for number one, and that is me, the Iceberg. I was also working on a song. Without you here and afoot, I was able to get a bit of mixing done. A new song? That's cool, man. At least that's something, you know. I, w- I wish you would have cleaned out the vents, though, dude. My sinuses are going nuts. But, uh, do you want to play it? I, I mean, I want to check it out. You want to play it right now? Yeah, man. Of course I want to play it. Check one. This is your man from the number one crew in the area. The Toys R Us report, and this one goes out to all my dudes out there on the Star Killer base. I feel bad that you guys got mucked, but maybe next time you should defend the shields a little better. That's one to grow on. Report. Yo, I see robots. 
These geeks think they know what we know. Get swivy on them. Well, I do not know about all that, but I do know a couple things about a thing, but I don't know if it's anything that you guys don't already know. But uh, one thing I do know is that I just saw Arrow and I just saw Legends of Tomorrow for this week, and I don't want to blow anything, but let's start with Arrow. Arrow introduced a new character, Vixen. You might know Vixen from the Justice League Detroit, and uh, I'm thinking that uh, show producer Greg Berlanti, he might have something going with uh, Justice League Detroit, because so far we've already seen Vibe, a.k.a. Cisco. Now we have seen uh, Vixen. So that only leaves, like, Gypsy and um, Steel, I think. Commander Steel are the only two, like, you know, the new characters introduced in the Justice League Detroit. If you don't know... Justice League Detroit was a team led by Aquaman, and then later, uh, by Martian Manhunter. They are much maligned, but still obviously well-remembered by some people. So our dude, uh, our boy Berlanti put Vibe on the show. I mean, Vixen, rather. Vixen on Arrow, um, and check it out. At one point, there was a Vixen cartoon. I remember hearing about it. And then I remember hearing that it was going to be part of the Arrowverse continuum, but it was going to be a cartoon. Now, I never did get to see it. I thought that it was going to be on TV, but as it turns out, it is actually on the CW app, and it has voices of Steve Amell, Grant Gustin, The Flash is in it, and it is in the continuity of the Arrowverse. So I'm, uh, I'm going to see if I can get that on my Roku, uh, add the CW channel on my Roku, and then I will definitely check it out and let you know what I think about that. It was a good episode. Vixen's cool. I hope you see more of her in the future. She has animal powers. She can, like, pull in the spirits of many different animals and do many different things. She can get, like, the strength of a rhino or the speed of a cheetah. You know, she has the ears of an owl. She's cool. I enjoyed seeing that, and it was a nice episode of Arrow. But then, then we got Legends of Tomorrow, and I'm not going to spoil the plot. I'm not going to spoil anything about that. But what, what we got to see during the course of that episode was something, just something spectacular. You get to see first. This is far in the future, and, you know, I'm, I don't want to spoil anything, and I don't think I'm going to spoil anything as much I'm going to, uh, as much as I'm going to encourage you to watch. Uh, it's really far in the future, and you get to see Oliver Queen, Ollie the Green Arrow, with the famous goatee. It's just, oh my gosh, it, uh, it's like a dream come true. It's like a dream come true to see Oliver Queen on my TV with a beard, man. It's just great. I am so happy we live in an age of wonder. The world is so just, oh, it's so nice right now. The TV universe is so great. I remember even just a few years ago, I was forced to watch Top Chef. And uh, what was that design show with Heidi Klum? I'd have to watch those shows because there wasn't just, there wasn't anything better. And now here I am. I'm watching Arrow and I'm watching Flash on my TV every week. And I'm getting to see, I'm getting to see Green Arrow with a beard on my TV. An old grizzled Green Arrow rocking the, uh, Rocking the goatee, just, just, oh, just so great. Oh, I also, um, I don't want to give this away as a spoiler. I don't think it is a spoiler. I think this is just going to make you want to see the episode more. He has one arm. Oliver Queen has one arm, like he does in many, many DC future universes, including the Dark Knight, uh, the Nail, all sorts of things. Dude has the one arm. I don't know what it is with, uh, DC writers and that future for him. I think maybe once Frank Miller put it in The Dark Knight, everybody's just said, hey, that's what happens. At some point, Oliver Queen is going to lose his arm in an accident. I remember there was an episode of, uh, an issue, rather, of the Green Arrow comic. I believe it was the last one where, um, it was believed Oliver had died at the time. He had his arm trapped in some kind of a bomb. And... 
Superman is there and he says, like, Oliver, I can get you out of there, but I'll have to take off your arm. And he just like, he's no way. No way. I won't do it. I'm an archer. I need my arm. I will not allow you to remove it, Superman. So he went down with the plane and he was believed dead for many years until uh, Hal Jordan, I think, as as the specter brought him back. Sometimes it's hard to remember comic continuity, but I believe that is what happened. I believe that uh, Hal Jordan brought him back just straight up because he was lonely. And then Kevin Smith ended up writing the arrow. And it all led to the Berlanti Arrowverse that we have now. Just great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, do whatever you can to catch up to the current time. Um, especially on Arrow, because the show did kind of drag for a while, but now they're hitting home runs every single week. So just do whatever you can to catch up. Just lock yourself in your house. Watch them straight through until you are at now. You will not regret it. All right, this is me, Icy Robots. We're going to move into At The Movies. <laughs> In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? We're heading to Daytona. You guys want to tag along, party some babies into us? Holy. Nice girl. We're not going to Daytona. Let's go. I remember you in high school. You were talking about traveling the world. Now you're pushing some papers in a law firm. You're ridiculous. For one night. Just chill. I appreciate you doing this for me, Jason. It's actually kind of fun. Did you just get naked? It's the best way to sleep. Oh, my God. Dirty Grandpa. He's a lesbian. My grandson, Jason. Is he here to sizzle with me? Rated R. In theaters January 22nd. It is almost as if my destiny was to see Dirty Grandpa. If you were listening to the show last week, you heard that I said we uh, dropped into the theater and we were going to see whatever was playing and whatever was playing was Star Wars or Dirty Grandpa. We flipped a coin. Star Wars won, but I do have to admit, even if Dirty Grandpa won, I was going to see Star Wars again. So we saw Star Wars again, and this week we wanted to go see Spotlight the final Oscar movie we need to check out, and um, we misread the schedule and Spotlight didn't start at that time until Friday. So, the only movie playing was Dirty Grandpa, so we saw our Dirty Grandpa, and uh, it is by far the worst movie I've seen in 2016. Now, I've only seen like 10 or 11 movies, so that's not a lot. Uh, in 2015, it would have been near the top of the worst things I've seen. It's really bad. It's really bad. You gotta wonder... If Robert De Niro, who uh, he stars in the movie as the Dirty Grandpa, it also has Zac Efron as the nephew. You got to wonder if Robert De Niro has some kind of back tax issue like Nicolas Cage, because there is no good reason why the best actor of the previous generation should be involved with something like Dirty Grandpa. Um, just, Just a bad movie all around. There are some good jokes. There are some highlights, but the highlights aren't all that high and the jokes aren't all that funny. There are a few that are, you know, you'll laugh once or twice, but dude, this movie is so crass. It makes Deadpool look like uh, the Danish girl. You know, this movie is just so beyond crass that it goes into being just ridiculous. Um, Just silly, stupid movie. Um, The moral of the story, I'll give it to you so that you don't have to go see it, is that... Well, here's the story briefly. Uh, Dirty Grandpa tricks grandson, played by Zac Efron, into driving him to Daytona Beach because he wants to show him that there is more to life than being a lawyer. You know, you gotta go out there, you gotta live it to the fullest, this is the one shot you got. Make sure to make the most that you can out of it because we only go around this one time. Quit being such a dink. Be a cool guy. Don't be 
don't be a goofus, be a gallant. Or just don't be a goofus, be a fun-loving dude. Just really bad movie. And uh, also this, I don't... Well, it's a rated R, kind of a sex romp. And it's weird to me that the movie called Dirty Grandpa um, has so much more naked man butt and a big shot of naked man genitals than it does have of any sort of um, female sexuality. Just very weird. Very strange to me. Uh, Dirty Grandpa gets one mic on the source meter. Um, This might be something you'll see like at 9 o'clock at night on a Tuesday on HBO and you can maybe sit through it at that point. But even then, I wouldn't recommend it. Dirty Grandpa, thumbs down. Very rare I see robots, thumbs down, goes to uh, Dirty Grandpa starring Robert De Niro. Get ready for the retro marketplace. Okay, I see robots. This is your one chance. Show them what you got. Clash of the Titans by Mattel. Clash of the Titans is a fantasy film that came out in 1981. It was directed by Desmond Davis and produced by Ray Harryhausen. Davis is most known for doing this film. Harryhausen is known for doing every awesome movie under the sun. The movie stars Harry Hamlin as Perseus. And I'm just going to say it co-stars Burgess Meredith as Amon. He's kind of... He's kind of the dude who's with Perseus a lot, so I'm just, I don't know. You could also say it stars Sir Lawrence Olivier as Zeus or any number of people, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that the movie uh, co-stars Burgess Meredith. He also has a mechanical owl. You could say that maybe uh, that dude was the co-star, but that would really be reaching. At any rate, the movie came out in 1981. I recall seeing this at the drive-in. The drive-in's weird. You ever think about that? How weird it would be nowadays to go and see a movie in your car. Just take your car, park it, and uh, put a speaker next to your ear and listen to the movie. It seems very strange. But at the time, it it was a normal thing that we would do. I, re- I remember seeing this there, a couple other movies. Another one is E.T. I remember seeing E.T. at the drive-in, and one thing I remember is sitting in the backseat watching the movie, and I don't know, I just, I got broken down into tears, and I was just crying in the backseat like a wuss. Uh, I don't know if that's the best thing to reveal here. Give me a big shout-out on Twitter, Twitter backslash uh, Icy Robots, and let me know if you cried during E.T., so just... I would like to know so that, you know, I can feel a bit better about myself. Titans is the film adaptation of the myth of Perseus and his quest to battle both Medusa and the Kraken monster to save the lovely Princess Andromeda. During the course of the film, all sorts of crazy things go on. His battle with Medusa was one of the scariest things I ever saw as a kid. Uh, They were using that great Harryhausen animation, and to me at the time, it seemed so real, and she was so scary. And during the course of the battle, he has to decapitate her. And then he puts her head in the bag to use later against the Kraken. And man, that whole thing scared me at the end. I'm sure you've seen the movie. This is, you can't spoil something that's like 40 years old. I don't know. But at the end, when he battles the monstrous Kraken, he pulls out the head and uses Medusa's grill to turn him to stone. And went, I don't know, when he pulled out the head, I was just so scared. I also called her Medusala. That was my name for her, Medusala. Um... We were really into uh, the Titans at the time, dude. It was just one of the coolest movies I'd ever seen. And as a boy, you're just automatically drawn to swordplay. And this was great. Great example of a hero's journey. And after 
after we got back from it, I had a cousin, and she was always pretending to be Medusa, and I was always pretending to be Perseus, and at some point, her head would get straight chopped off. Not for real, but, uh, you know, in the pretend sense, as it were. The movie was budgeted at $15 million, and it made a big $41 million, so it did, you know, just under three times its return, and that's pretty decent. That's not bad at all if you invested something like that. If you invested $15 million in something and you came back with $41 million, you'd be pretty stoked. Uh, anyhow, the movie would have to be considered a success in that rate, and critically, I'm checking on Rotten Tomatoes, and it has 66%, so it's certified fresh, and if you've seen it, you know it's more than that. It's Funky Fresh. It's certified Funky Fresh. This is one of the coolest movies of all the times. Uh, one thing, though, when I see it now, I kind of get drawn out of it just because of Harry Hamlin in the lead. And I know that it's just because Harry Hamlin has been involved in many cornball projects over the years. When you see him now, it's hard to imagine him as uh, the heroic Perseus. But at the time, I didn't feel that way. He seemed just fine as Perseus. But, uh, you know, that could just be youthful misjudgment. Let's see, the movie came out in 81, and in, uh, checking out other movies that came out at the same time, it, it, it had some really stiff competition. Let's see what else came out that week. All right, I got it booted up. The movie came out June of 1981, June 12th to be exact, and the exact same week that this movie opened, you have a History of the World Part 1, an awesome movie, also a, uh, small-time film called Raiders of the Lost Ark, the week before that, you had Cheech and Chong's Nice Dreams, and then the very next week, you have The Cannonball Run and uh, Superman 2, the best of all the Donner Superman movies. Then the next week, you got The Great Muppet Caper, Stripes, and For Your Eyes Only, as well as Dragon Slayer. Dudes, this was just such a golden time of movies. You could have, like, you could have gone to see Clash of the Titans on Friday. History of the World on Saturday, and then Raiders on Sunday, and that's just, that's an amazing week of your life. Imagine, imagine if they had podcasts back then, the movie podcast you could have done having seen all three of those movies in a row. It's just, ah, too much to be believed. All right, let's, uh, let's dig into the VHS vault, find a commercial for this. There weren't any commercials for the toys, uh, sadly enough, that I could find in the old VHS vault, but there was... There was some for the movie, so let's pop one of those in right now, give it a listen, and come back and talk about the super small toy line that came along with this awesome movie. The danger, the daring, the challenge, the courage, the clash of the titans, the risks, the rewards, the terror, the triumph. Of the Titans, the Odyssey of the Warrior Perseus, through wonders no man has seen and horrors no man has faced. MGM presents Clash of the Titans, rated PG. Starts Friday at the Century 25, Man's Birdcage Walk, Sacramento Drive in Stockton Royal. To go along with the movie in 1981, Mattel produced a uh, few toys. Four action figures and two vehicles, well, one monster and also a, uh, flying horse, which I guess you would call a vehicle. Overall, eh, I don't know, it's kind of disappointing. You would have expected a lot more from such a cool fantasy line, but, uh, you gotta be happy with what you get, I guess. Uh, you could have had nothing, I suppose, and that would be much worse. The figures are, uh, three and three-quarter inch, and they got the five points of articulation, each arm, legs, also the head. They're just like Star Wars figures, which is really neat. 
because it's always, you know, it's cool when things are in scale to other things, and you can mix and match your universe. Might have been fun to have, uh, you know, good old Calibos, uh, join up on the dark side. You could have Perseus hanging out with Luke. I can see, I can see all kinds of, uh, neat ideas to go along with this. Uh, let's go down and take a look at who, uh, the exact ones that we are dealing with. Okay, so, there was only one series. You got Calibos, the bad guy, Charon, that is, um... He's like a, I guess we'd call him like a Grim Reaper sword. He's the one that led them across the River of Sticks in that boat. Also, there's Perseus, you know, the main character, Harry Hamlin. The figure does, it kind of looks like Harry Hamlin. It has his curly hair, and you can sort of see it in the face. But if someone were to show you just the head, I do not know if you would say that's Harry Hamlin. And then there was also Thalo, his uh, right-hand man, the other dude that he hung out with besides... uh Amon, played by Burgess Meredith. Thala was my favorite. I've always been kind of a dude who goes for the sidekick. And in this one, I, you know, I, I kind of went along with him in the story. And he, I don't know, he's my favorite overall. I don't even know what I'm saying. Also, they came, uh, two creatures. There was Pegasus and the Kraken. The Kraken is probably overall the most popular piece in the set. It's also, it's pretty much the coolest piece in the set. It's, uh, he's big. He's really big. And he's green, looks just like he does in the thing. It looks like you could have used him for the model in the film. Uh, he has a tail. Now, I don't see him a lot on the second-hand market, like when I'm out and about at toy shows. And I'll, let me tell you a quick story. Um, there's this dude at the flea market that I call the mandolin guy because he always plays a mandolin. I'm, I'm very creative that way. He plays the mandolin and he wears a big straw hat. Uh, for some reason, I have the hardest time dealing with this dude. Uh, so I just kind of skip past him. But, uh... For a bit, he had a Kraken body in his junk pile, and I would ask him, i ask him, like, you know, because I wanted it. It's like, it didn't have the tail, which is okay, because I would have just put him in the corner of a shelf or something, and you, you, you just, uh, you'd see him rising from the back like a leviathan from the sea like he did in the movie, but, um, I would ask the dude, and I always kind of felt like... He thought that I was onto something, because every time I'd ask him, he'd be like, oh, these go for like 70 80 90 $100 on eBay. And I would tell him like, oh, well, they, you know, they go for a lot less if they don't have the tail. And really, your prices might be a bit exaggerated. This one's not that great. He's all scuffed up. Uh, you know, I'll give you 15 bucks. I'll give you 20 bucks. Just that seemed reasonable to me. Uh, he wasn't in the best of shape. Like I said, he was scuffed. And every single time, dude would say no. And then I would come back the next week. There it would be sitting there again. And I wouldn't ask. I'd see other people ask, and he wouldn't sell it to them either. And then, you know, it would be sitting there again, and sitting there again, and sitting there again. And I don't know if it ever sold. I haven't seen it recently, but that doesn't mean it sold as much as maybe he just stopped bringing it because dude's out there every week, and you do you do uh, lighten your load to bring new stuff. Uh, let's see. What else do we know about the Clash of the Titans toys? After, I don't know, after the first series didn't do so well on the pegs, there was a rumored second series that never took flight. Uh, in that set was gonna be a, uh, Boobo the Owl, like, a, I don't know if he'd be a plush, but he would be, you know, child size, so you could play with him as if you had your own owl. There was also Calabos's Lair, it was scary. It appears to be made out of cardboard. If you want to see some pictures of this, you can hop on over to the Great Plaid Stallions where they were uh, kind enough to scan in a great catalog. That's platstallions.com. 
Love them. Uh, if you hop over there, you can see the layer place that it appears to be cardboard. It's um, very underworldly. It's like a like hell, like H-E double hockey sticks to land down below. And also, I have seen an inflatable Pegasus. It's really neat. Um, I did. I was able to dig up a picture of that, so I'll post that on icrobots.com in the show notes. Outside of that, there's also going to be a child set of um, a helmet, a shield, and a sword, and a. Uh, not much more, unfortunately. The toys did not do that well. It It's really a shame, though, because the movie was so fun, and they could have had so much fun with the toys. I would love to have seen uh, Medusa and Medusa's lair, maybe like a severed Medusa little head toy that you could put into a sack, maybe um, a bottle of Medusa's poisonous blood, or... Olympus with all the gods. There's just, you know, this could go on and on forever. Just so much fun. But sadly, we didn't get that much awesome stuff. But, um, I don't know. In the long run, getting some stuff is a lot better than getting no stuff. I remember, I remember seeing these at Sears back when Sears used to have toys. And the toy section at my local store was upstairs near the, um, near the elevator, and I remember just, I don't know, standing there and checking them out, but never getting any of them. I may have gotten Perseus's sidekick, but I know I didn't get any of the other ones, and maybe the problem was that everybody else was the exact same way, too. They admired them, they stood there, they checked them out, but... I don't know, maybe it's some kind of future site and people know that having a Harry Hamlin figure is goofy and I don't know, it's just, I don't, for whatever reason, the movie seemed as if it caught the culture and the toys just didn't. Uh, who can say, man? I don't know, you know, world was into sci-fi and maybe they just didn't want to see guys in search of swords. Who can say? I do not know. Anyway, I wish I had more for you, but this is all we got. We got to be happy with it. Let's move into the final segment of the show, The Toys R Us Report, where I am going to go over how the Oscars went. Mostly how my picks went, I guess. Please drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. Your weekly toy shop update. The Toys R Us Report. All right, my dudes, we are back for the final segment of the show, and the Oscars were yesterday. I thought it was a fun show. Some people seemed to think it wasn't that fun. Uh, I was entertained. I had a good time, you know, but what we do is we get all the way through. We start watching it when it's almost over, maybe when there's like 45 minutes left, and then we kind of fast forward to the award win. Award win, da-da-da-da-da, stopping at, you know, key points that look fun, uh, the opening montage I thought was really good. The part where they show all the movies from the year. I thought that was really well put together. Chris Rock's opening monologue was fantastic. It was I thought it was hilarious. And he um he did a couple other funny bits during the course of the show. One of them where he went out to Compton and thought people about asked people rather what they thought about different movies was. It was pretty funny. Pretty hilarious stuff. Now, let's get down and see how your boy your boy ISR did. I got my ballot. And what we like to focus on here at the Toys R Us Report is the big six. The top six awards, you know, 
Best Supporting Actor, Actress, Best Actor, Actress, Director, Big Movie Win. Let's start with uh, Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Your boy went for Kate Winslet. I'm like, she's an Oscar uh, institution. She's a slam dunk. But Alicia Vikander won for The Danish Girl. I thought that was a bit of a surprise, but uh, Vikander's a great actress. I'm cool with that. Then we got uh, Best Supporting Actor. And that, um, da 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 where do we have? Oh, actor in a supporting role. Now, your boy went for Sly Stallone from Creed. I figured that's a slam dunk. He already won the Golden Globe. Everybody loves Sly. I'm like, this is a lock. But the dude, um, Mark Rylance, Rylance from The Bridge of Spies won. I, you know what? We did see that one, and the guy was so good in the role that you don't doubt for a second that he's really that way. So when I saw him at the show... I was surprised to see him as a normal person. Very good stuff. I can't argue with it, but I would like to have seen good old Sly win the award. Um, let's see what else we got. Oh, actor in... Let's start with actress. Actress in a leading role. Now, this is the one I got right. I picked Brie Larson from Room. I thought she's great. I love Brie Larson. I've been down with her since uh, the United States of Terra on Showtime. So I'm happy to see her get that. You know, I think that she has a long career ahead of her. She's pretty cool. And then... Um, actor in a leading role. Now, I picked Eddie Redmayne from The Danish Girl. I tried to think like a uh, Academy voter, like a um old white liberal dude or lady. So I said, hey, Eddie Redmayne, Danish Girl, that's the one. But check it out. Leonardo DiCaprio won. He finally got his Oscar for The Revenant. You can't take it away from him. That is something that he definitely deserved. The movie was great, but... I couldn't have gone and picked Leo because it's almost like kind of a running joke, him never winning. Now, for director, this is one, I'm not going to say it's a travesty, but I would enjoy to have it seen it go another way. Alejandro G. Inurito, or whatever, from The Revenant. Now, he won the award. Now, I, I can't say enough good things about The Revenant. The direction was fantastic. Everything about it was so good. But I wanted to see homeboy George Miller take it for Mad Max. Uh, Mad Max, they just... They destroyed it in the early part of the show. They took home all the uh, technical awards, and I'm happy for that. But that's kind of something they do. They give the genre films the technical awards, but this is a genre film that deserved the real awards. They should have got it for Best Director, and they should have just won overall Best Picture, which was won by Spotlight. I've seen Spotlight. It's very good. Very well directed. Very well acted. It's a very, very important story. But I kind of think that maybe people were thinking... The importance of the story made it more of a better film, and it didn't. There's nothing out there like Mad Max. This this dude's in the desert. He's built he's built a whole civilization with rules and culture and all sorts of stuff. Distinct vehicles, distinct dress, speech, everything. And then they go in the desert and they flip cars like a maniac. It, now, that's an amazing feat. That's an amazing feat no matter what. And when you take a movie like Spotlight... There's nothing wrong with it. It's very good. I've seen it. It's it's worth going out of your way to check out. But they're not in the desert flipping cars. Flipping cars isn't the only thing that's important in a movie. But you have to say when somebody's out there and they're doing these technical things. As well as telling a story and being creative and doing all this stuff. They deserve it no matter what genre the film is. But that's just me. That's just me, your boy. I loved Mad Max. I thought it was great. If you haven't seen it, go out and check it out. Because it's just... It is above reproach. Anyway, we're running short on time. We're going to be back next week. This is me, Icy Robots, signing off for Iceberg 13 and everybody else here on the Jupiter Station. If you don't know, now you know.
recorded live on Jupiter's moon Callisto. This has been an IC Robots Radio production.